0: Hey, Tammy, I really liked that. That was cool. Well, you came up here, and, you know, I could get used to that. I'd love to see people come up here and grab a name and come up here and say, Hey, this is the person got saved, you know? I mean, can't get tired of that, so thank you. That might be a new Kingsway tradition, I hope. (laughs) Love to see God move like that among us. I think we all would, right? Uh, We went, um, well, spent the night. We left a little early, but spent some time camping with the kids. Uh, thanks to Gail and Robert, took the kids camping. and it w- We had a great time. But anyway, got, it was near the time to leave, and the kids were sitting together, and I was just kind of listening to them. And my grandson, Attica, said, guys, I have a problem. So I'm listening, right? And he says, I've got to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow is Saturday. You know, you know, you're not going to school yet. Uh, he, Cindy had homeschooled him last year with you know, all the COVID stuff he's worried about it I guess we all have a problem of some kind don't we? guys we have a problem we have a God who gave it all for us y- yesterday was emotionally it's gotten when I go home to my hometown I went. a very close friend of mine's dad died last week and I went to the funeral just for support I don't know it seems like and then we also saw the sisters of you know that we've told you guys a lot about who um they're struggling they're in their 80s and uh anyway it just it seems like i go home it just it gets me man and so we were going to stop by the the cemetery and see my parents graves and the grass hadn't been cut and things were growing up and i thought what is going on had trouble finding the graves uh, but anyway in the end we ended up finding finding the graves on the way back home but went to the funeral and you know it's a lot of these people I haven't seen in 40 years <laughs> so I'm thinking well I see anybody I know I'm looking around and, and they had uh, it was a graveside and if there was a, t- a lot of people for graveside they were out there but they were holding the ceremony and so my friend comes by and he says, "Go say hey to Mama," you know. And so I walk over there and I introduce myself. And I thought she does. I don't think she recognizes me. You know. <laughs> so it's okay. So anyway, I'm talking to her, you know, because when I was a kid, I, we hung out all the time. So uh, it's pouring the rain during that service. What is going on? We get, you know, we get to the end of it. Anyway, I was thinking this morning with all that. Do you ever feel forgotten? Do you ever feel like nobody notices you? I have some good news. God does. God notices you. Uh, Isaiah 49 15 and 16. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born, though she may forget? I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. We know that a newborn mother loves her child heartedly. God says, if she were to forget, I would still remember you. And the idea of the walls ever being before you, Jerusalem... The walls that sounded Jerusalem were protection. As God looked out at his people and and he said, you're you're trying to stay safe, you're trying to protect yourselves, and I see your walls, but I will protect you, and no matter how big you think your walls are, I am bigger, and I am safety. And and so you get two sermons this morning, that's my little mini-sermon for I get in the sermon. I just want you to remember, you may feel forgotten this morning, you are not. God sees you. So now to our text for today. We're in the Gospel of Mark. And I uh, ask you to stand in a moment. It's Mark chapter 1. It's verses 21 through 45. I'm just going to read two verses. As we stand in God's honor. And move in the message. Verse, if you'll turn with me, Mark chapter 1, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching... Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And then drop down to verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the authority. There is no other one who is in charge of all. And Lord, we just worship you this morning, oh God. We thank you for already showing us your glory. And I I just don't want to get in the way of that. I, I pray your glory continue to reveal you. Speak to us, Lord, in the time that remains we need you speak to us oh god in christ's name we pray amen uh, i just finished a book i skipped a couple chapters i admit but, in apologetics and the authors were writing about what they called the roadrunner argument now when i was a kid i used to love the roadrunner remember beep, beep you know and remember his nemesis, Wiley Coyote, and Wiley Coyote. I almost felt sorry for him, because you know the guy was always going to get the bad end of the deal. And so, uh, you know, there were occasions where uh, they would be running on the side of a mountain, and the Road Runner would run off the cliff, and he would just be standing in the midair, beep 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 beep, and here comes Wiley Coyote, and he runs out there, and suddenly he realizes. I'm standing on there. And he looks down and he falls. And he, well, you know, that's trouble. And then, beep, beep, the roadrunner just runs off. Well, he said the idea of the roadrunner argument is that it is an argument that has no place to stand, no foundation, And, and so you fall. And there are those today that proclaim that truth is relative. In other words, there is no such thing as absolute truth But truth is based on what I think is truth or what you think is truth, and everybody has a truth, but it's not absolute. Well, with a roadrunner argument, you, you can dispel that type of thinking with just one or two simple questions. So, if someone says, all truth is truth, all you have to say is, are you absolutely sure? That that truth is absolute. Because then you have made it an absolute truth. You see there is absolute truth. And Jesus Christ is that truth. He said I am the way, the truth, and the life. Matter of fact in John 5.22. It says the father has entrusted all judgment to the son. So not only is he the truth. He is also the judge. And as he looks at the truth of our lives, we try to hide our truth. We try, to, we try to be somebody we're not. But he sees it all. And one day, he is the righteous judge. He is the one that we will stand before. In 2 Timothy 4.2, this is a preacher verse all of us preachers know. Preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. But listen to the verse before that verse, not just for preachers, all of us. Uh, Verse 1, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. That's Jesus. Now, you know, there's going to be the skeptic that says, well, you say roadrunner argument. What about the roadrunner? How come he could run out there and he just stands there? Beep, 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 beep. He doesn't fall. Well, the creator of the cartoon destined it so. He said, roadrunner won't fall. This is my cartoon. I'm in charge. And Jesus Christ is in charge of all. He is creator. And if he has power, he has authority over nature. So if he wants to change the laws of nature, he has the authority to do so, he is our God. Remember, they're out on the boat, and they're, they're all shaking, and they're trembling, and they're scared, and Jesus is asleep. They have to wake him up. He comes up there. Lord, don't you care about us? And I love, listen, this is Matthew eight twenty six. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus has authority. Our two verses we read uh, in verse 22, "They were amazed at His authority. Verse 27. They were all amazed, a new teaching with authority. We want to look at several examples of the authority of Jesus Christ this morning. First, it is His authority as a teacher. Look at me again, at verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Uh, there were roughly at that time about 450 such synagogues. And the way that worked was for every 10 Jewish families, a synagogue was formed. It was a place not where they had offerings. It was a place to instruct families in the teaching of the law and so that they could learn about the Lord God and the truths of God. Anyone could teach in these meetings when God spoke to them. And so, you know, God would speak to somebody. They'd come into these synagogues. uh, Some may only be ten families. And and they would share in the morning. And, of course, this gave a place for Jesus Christ to come and to speak. Oftentimes, uh, these speakers would try to show they had authority. And so they would say, on the authority of this particular Teacher, Pharisee, scribe, from the authority of this tradition. But it was different with Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 22, they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Well, in Luke chapter 4, we read some more details uh, about this. And it says that he spoke out of Isaiah 61, verse 1. Uh, listen to the verse. Or, I mean, you can turn. Great turn there, too, if you want to. I, you know, as we used to say, we love to hear pages flipping in Bibles as a preacher. Nowadays, I don't guess you can hear a cell phone uh, when they're looking in the Bible app, but I still love to see people read it themselves. But anyway, Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release prisoners from darkness. Now, then after he read that text, which was the normal practice, there would be some comments or preaching upon the text as it, were, as it was shared. Jesus Christ did not refer to other scribes. He did not refer to the Talmud or any of the other religious books he only spoke of himself he said <laughs> this is referring to me that's why they were amazed listen this is Luke four twenty one. this is what Jesus said today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing in other words I'm not quoting another authority I am the authority I am the one who has come to set the captive free. I am the one who is to release those who are sitting in prison. I am the one to forgive and to heal. Truly, it is I. I am the one of authority. Now, that word authority literally means authority that has been delegated from another, given power from another. And here's what Jesus had to say about this in John 638 I have come not to do my own will but to do the will of the one who had sent me an authority that was of the father the authority of God that was to be carried out Jesus Christ has all authority now I was trying to think of illustrations of authority one would be a a policeman uh, when directing traffic sometimes there is a need to direct traffic maybe a traffic light's not working or uh, there's another reason uh, to stop and start traffic. And, you know, it doesn't matter if that police officer is 6'6", 430 pounds and has hands big as, uh, you know, both my hands and feet put together and, and stands up there and says, stop, or if it's a police officer that's four 4'10", uh, 83 pounds, and says, stop, the result is the same. The result is not placed on the size, the power, the intimidation of the officer, but upon the authority that is invested in the officer, that is delegated to the officer. Because of that authority, the officer is able to stop and to start the traffic. Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority. We need to listen to what Jesus Christ has to say. We need to follow what Jesus Christ has to say because he is that authority. There are many who claim to have authority, but there is only one who is truly authoritative, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. So how can we be effective to follow the authority of Christ? Not just when we sit here in church, but whenever we live out any of the roles that we have, whether it is as a parent or as a worker or you know whatever that role may be, they all flow correctly when they flow from the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now let's look at a number of places in our text today where the authority of Jesus Christ is displayed. First place is Jesus' authority over the underworld. Not on, well. The second we already looked as a teacher. Of the underworld. In Ephesians 6.12 it says this battle is not against flesh and blood. But against the authorities, the rulers, the powers of this dark world. That's where the true battle lies. Now let's look at our text. Verses 23 through 25. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. What do you want with us Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You know, I. They're in the synagogue, okay, and and this occurs. And, you know, I thought about this. I I, I know some people, and, and and you probably do too. They want to argue. Oh, you know, that's that's old thinking. There's no such thing as a devil, and there's no such thing as demons, and i don't believe in that well, let me tell you something according to the scriptures the demons believed in jesus that ought to tell you something and notice what he what the demon said have you come to destroy us in other words they knew they were defeated they were powerful but they weren't all powerful They had some authority, but not total authority. That belonged to Jesus Christ, and they recognized that. By the third century, the church had what they called the Order of the Exorcist, (laughs) where they would actually uh, set up incantations and rituals and formulas to deal with demons that embodied people. In that day, um, they w- had a practice that was in the Talmud where um, you would take a clip of hair and you would place it on a knife made of iron and put it by a thorn bush for three days. <laughs> and then after that three days was over, you would go to the person and they had a special formula that would be shared which was designed to drive this evil spirit from the person's body. So that was a common practice in that day uh, among the religious leaders. Jesus didn't do any of that stuff. There's no mention here that Jesus said, Hey, anybody got an iron knife? I want to make sure it's really full iron, you know, 100%, no contamination. We got to get a little bit of hair, put it on here, and you got to find us a thorn. But he didn't say any of that stuff. He wasn't following a bunch of religious tradition. He wasn't following a specific formula that would make us powerful enough to face the devil i want you to notice what he simply said in verse 25 be quiet and get out of him that was it guys jesus in total authority has total authority over evil over the devil over other demons that are under the authority of the devil they're all under the authority of jesus christ that is what is shown here all right going on in verses 26 and 27 which you see the response here um the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek the people were all so amazed they asked each other what is this Boy, i bet a new teaching and with authority he even gives orders to impure spirits And they obey him. Now, verse 28 isn't a big surprise. Look at this one. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. I bet it did. News spread quickly. Now, before I move on to the next one, after demons, look back at verse 23. It says, Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out. This is kind of scary stuff to me. They were in the temple. You know what this tells me? Sometimes even the devil comes to church. Sometimes he can even sit among us. We need Christ. Jesus' authority over sickness. Let's move on here. Uh, verses 29 and 30. We just saw this in the chosen. I've enjoyed the chosen so much on Sunday nights. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. In the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke adds this in 438. She's sick with a high fever, so she had fatal symptoms. And Jesus came and beautifully healed her. You, know, you think about all that worry that Simon and his wife had. And she's trying to care for her mom. And Jesus just comes and does the unexpected. One of those early healings of the sick. Touches her. And then and when she touches her, I love this about Jesus. It's not some little partial thing. Well, you know, we're going to take this in three installments, we're going to have a little better. And then a little more better, and then finally, maybe hopefully full better, but I can't guarantee that. No, none of that stuff with Jesus. He touched her, and bam, she jumped up and started serving him. She felt great. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Um, I love that. This is verse 31. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on him. Uh, and you know, the truth is, Jesus wants to heal. He still wants to heal. We all got baggage, and we have stuff. Sometimes it is a physical healing, but it may be an emotional healing. Um, there's different kinds of healing, and I get it. Sometimes we in the Baptist Church, you know, I know I grew up in the Baptist Church too. Sometimes we're kind of afraid of a little too much emotion. Well, they might think we got religion. And we're going to start jumping chairs. We used to say pews, but now we have to say chairs jumping jumping chairs and running around and you know all this stuff and man I don't know why do we always worry about what Jesus might do maybe that's one reason we don't see him do much anyway Jesus healed her maybe he wants to heal you today it may be something I don't mention at all but you know what Jesus has seen it as I said In my other sermon for the sermon, (laughs) he hasn't forgotten you. He knows you're here. He knows you're here. All right, another thought connected to this, which I love. Jesus did not need a big audience to do this. You know, he's been surrounded by a lot of people and done a lot of miracles. Here it was just a few It didn't bother Jesus. Jesus didn't need a lot of people around to do his work. He did his work where it needed to be done. Regardless of who else was there, Jesus was there. Now, uh, down to verses 40 and 41, we see a second healing that's mentioned here in the text. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing," he said. Be clean. More than likely, he had an advanced stage of leprosy. You know, it makes me think in uh, Isaiah one eighteen, I think it is, where uh, Jesus talks about, "Come, let us reason together. For for though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow." there was a picture of leprosy as it being white as snow, that it was advanced, and that the end was just around the corner because of the leprosy. But Jesus Christ takes our sins, and he brings it to completeness. To not death, but to life. Uh, In the Middle Ages, it was so certain that leprosy was going to bring death around just around the corner, that they would actually have funerals before the person died. And it was not unusual for there to be a just a slat in the building so lepers could peek through and watch the funeral service of people they knew who were expected to die soon because of the progression of the leprosy. Leprosy meant defilement. If they were married, then that marriage was canceled Uh, They were alone, and it was a very lonely time with no sense of hope. That's what I love about Jesus. He changes things. (laughs) Look at verse 42 in our text. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. come down in the scripture here's what jesus says to him jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning see that you don't tell this to anyone go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices jesus commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them you see the the way the ritual went he would go before the priest they would take two birds one bird uh, would be killed and would be cut open and the blood of that bird would be placed on the other bird and that bird would fly away course this was a ritual that proclaimed you were cleansed you were healed and of course it was also a picture of jesus who would give his blood for the healing that we can experience through the cross through his perfect work that was evidenced by the work of the resurrection of christ look at verse 45 but he went out and began to proclaim it freely Jesus said, don't tell us, but he, said, he went out and proclaimed it freely and spread the news around to such an extent Jesus could no longer publicly enter the city. Jesus was basically saying to this guy, look, I'm the Messiah, and I have work to do, and if word gets out too fast, it's going to be hard for me to do my work. People will come, mobs will come. And isn't it interesting the guy he didn't hear. He went straight out and he began to tell everybody he could find that Jesus had healed him. The news spread around quickly. And, you know, it made me think, a challenge to us. Here's a man who was told to keep quiet, but he couldn't shut up as he spread the news all around. We're told to spread the news all around, and we keep quiet. I wonder if we realize what we've been forgiven of. All right. Jesus' source of authority. I want to look at three principles here in 35 through 39 of his authority. First one, Jesus Christ was diligent in his devotion. Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had a very busy schedule. Jesus was physically exhausted from that schedule. But yet he knew He needed to be in prayer. So he got up early, and it was critical for him to spend that time in prayer because he knew that that connection with the Father was the way he was able to accomplish why he was there. Number two, Jesus was consistent with his priority. Look at verse 36. uh, Simon and his companions went to look for him could be translated they tracked him down they went on this mad hunt to find where jesus was verse 37 and when they found him they exclaimed everyone's looking for you hey jesus they want to know where you are you know you're the guy that's healing everybody you know, you got a crowd over here <laughs> anyway here's jesus reply look at verse 38 let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so i can preach there also that is why i have come you know, it almost sounds harsh. Like, Jesus, there's all these people. They need to be healed right now, you know. You've got a lot of people over here, and, and they're hurting. And, but Jesus said, um, right now, my job's to preach. Right now, this is the calling that I am here for. Yes, there are miracles. Yes, there are wonders and signs God has called me to do. He could have spent the whole time healing people. His whole life, there were people to heal But he said, my job, my priority is to preach. And our priority is to follow. And priorities are critical. Oftentimes, a person goes through his or her life never living in the priority of life. Always just drifting along, not even knowing what the next day means or why they're here or why they're alive. Third, Jesus was urgent with his mission. He had a sense of urgency. It was interesting, I read one commentator had said that when the speaker spoke in the synagogue, they would face toward Jerusalem. And uh, the commentator made the point that by facing toward Jerusalem, Jesus looked toward the cross. Toward what he knew was before him, and yet that never distracted him. That never took him from his mission. That never made him say, No way, I'm not doing that. He was urgent for a mission. Now, as I close this thing out, we've looked at the authority of Jesus as a teacher over the underworld, over sickness. Um, but we also. No, delegated authority for his mission. Jesus in turn has delegated authority to us. He has given us authority. Turn with me, you guys know the text well probably, but it's the last of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew twenty eight. I'll start at verse 16 of Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Now, this was the 11, okay? Th- this was the holy guys. These were the guys that hung out with Jesus and all that. And Some worshiped, but some doubted. I imagine um, that's true today, some are worshiping, but some may have doubts this morning. And Jesus was there for both. Jesus knew before they came who was doubting and who was worshiping. But he wanted them all there. And you know what? Jesus still wants us all here when we're able to worship. And even in those times where we may be plagued with some doubt, Jesus wants us here. He has authority, and I want you to notice uh, what he says in the next verse. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives us marching orders. He gives us priority. He gives us urgency. And it's all linked to prayer. And we call it the Great Commission, but uh, as I close here, I'm just going to read this to you and r- share a couple, few comments that I, that I wrote down here. But Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age so i just wrote a few comments on that. it's not long our heartbeat is to see people follow jesus go and make disciples what does what is a disciple is one who follows jesus and so the heartbeat is i want to see people follow jesus i don't necessarily want to see people be just like me that could be ugly if we had a whole world of me I want to see people who follow Jesus as they made them for the glory of God. And and, and so, the first part here, a heartbeat for people to follow Jesus. Now, another thought I wrote down here, a heartbeat to see people identify with the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. You know why baptism is so beautiful? Because it is a way of identification. It is a way of, of, it's a picture of what happens in Jesus Christ You get in the water, you go under the water. You know, I've joked over the years, Said, what happens if you stay in the water too long? Not good. Not good. You go under the water, if you're under there too long, death. It's a picture of dying to self, raised to new life. And it is a way of identifying, it is a way to say to other believers and to the body of Christ, I'm new. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has changed me. Jesus lives in me. I am forgiven, and I want to be on mission. That's what it says. And that's why, man, I want to see some moving waters. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? And, and so, of course, we pray for the cross. They'll be saved, and we pray that they take that first step of obedience and, and be baptized to give that picture of identification. All right, uh, almost done. Our heart is to walk in obedience to the words of our precious Lord and Savior. You know, he said, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Not just to say, well, I trusted Jesus 35 years ago, and if I decide I'm not going to trust him anymore, I'll tell you. No. No that it is so evident, that it is so plain, that you love Jesus Christ, that I don't have to hire a private investigator, to try to figure out, if you really know Jesus, it is evident, it is clear, because when I see you, the grace, and mercy of God, is just dripping off of you, see, that, that's a prayer here, A, a, a kind of heartbeat, that kind of heartbeat, and then one more I wrote down here, you know, he says, I'll be with you always, He's Our hope is to never forget. He is always with us and will be until we are with Him. Now, all of this stuff points to Jesus. He is the authority. He is the hope. All of this stuff we want to see only happens when we see Christ. And when Christ moves among us. And that only happens When we bow before Him, our hearts, our lives. When we bow at the cross, when we have a burden to see others come to Christ and we pray and God moves and brings them to Christ and then they're changed and they want to get in those waters and be baptized and show that they love Jesus and want to follow Him. And then when we realize that we are never alone, that He is here, that He is guiding us and that He wants to move among us. And so we come to a time of invitation. I'll pray in a minute. We still have the cross up. I mean, we still, if anybody wants to add to the cross, name of the cross, you're welcome to do so. There's tape and stuff there. If anybody needs to come and pray, and God is doing business with you, like I said, it may be something I hadn't mentioned at all. God doesn't need me to mention stuff. His Holy Spirit can mention it directly to your heart, and I hope He is. And, and if so, pray about that and let God deal with you and and me too, deal with me too. And then if, if He wants any of us to share before the body of Christ what He's up to, don't. Don't let us miss the blessing, okay? Because it's a blessing to hear what God's doing. So, anyway, I'm going to pray and be down here and then see what God wants to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for being with us. Move among us, Lord, because we need you to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.